Hey, everybody. It's Thursday just after lunch, and it's time for another podcast of loathing. I'm Zach. Oh, do we also say hot and, yep. and riff? <laughs> and I'm, I'm hot stuff. <clears throat> I'm CD Moyer. Yay. You guys, you've earned you've earned real names. <laughs> oh, Chris. All right. You can call me Kevin, I guess. <clears throat> oh, I'm gonna call you Kevin. I'm gonna call you Riff cool, was uh... smart using uh using what we all call him as his uh player name. It's true. Yeah, it's weird that it's weird that we uh, we all knew him as Riff for years before he started playing KOL. And that's why he <laughs> named his KOL character Riff. Yeah. It's like it wasn't taken, so all right. <laughs> all right, let's get right into the questions. Uh, JXQZ, among other things, asked, how's work? You guys all working remotely? Still doing Monday conference calls? The item of the month rotation? Any goals for KOL development in between game development? Any plans for a third loathing game? I beat Word Realms, BT dubs. Uh, That's I, a lot I also, of It is a lot of questions. <clears throat> uh, we, it works great. We are all working remotely. I believe that the... the so somebody else asks... Uh, De Denise Van wrote, uh, how many people are officially working on KOL these days? Given the regular seasonal challenges, the new area in TTT and tweaks, changes, and a new Crimbo, I just have to ask, it's the four of us. You're you're listening to it. This team <laughs> has been the team for, what, seven, eight years? Sounds I think right. so. Yeah. Uh, so we don't do, we still do, we've, we've recently switched the conference calls from Mondays to Wednesdays for some reason that I forget what the reason is. Because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm at a co-working space that's noisy and was, yeah, on Mondays. Okay. Uh, but we still do a conference call. We, we do a conference call with the whole of the team for the for whatever current uh, Swole game we're working on, and then we do a, a separate KOL one. Uh, the item of the month rotation, we have not been doing for You might years. need to define Swole game. Yeah, Swole games are the uh, games that use the Swole engine, of course. Um, <laughs> And it's okay to say swole engine, even though it's like <laughs> saying pin number or uh, ATM machine. I should, okay, it would have been funnier to use one that actually sounds lame. Pin number sounds totally reasonable. Uh, let's see. Uh, a scuba apparatus? apparatus? No, that's yeah. fine too. Yeah. What? <laughs> are there any that actually sound bad when you do it that way? The I live in the Bureau. USA, America. But you could say CIA an FBI agency. investigation. Yeah, this, yeah, it's all fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, Swole is a standard West of Loathing engine, which has uh, evolved over time. And that's just kind of how we uh, internally refer to the standalone Steam and Switch games and soon PlayStation. You might be able to see a, a boxed copy of uh, Shadows Over Loathing for the PlayStation at the GameStop in your very own town. And the coming soon, yeah. We, we stopped doing like other stores, right? Uh, I think so. Although we've, uh, we've only seen it show up in GameStop so far. Uh, the, there's, uh, it's available for pre-order uh, from Target and Walmart and some other places. And I think That's they're not stocking the physical copies. Like they're not going to do like a preview physical copy the way that GameStop does for pre-orders. Because I don't think like, can you pre-order video games like at a Walmart? I don't know if that's a thing you can do at the counter there. Yeah, just on walmart.com, probably. Uh, we have stopped doing the item of the month rotation. Basically, it it stopped being that... Well, it kind of... 
it started being almost entirely Chris's job to make the items of the month. So the the work on the item of the month is largely a couple conversations on a couple conference calls to figure out what the item of the month is. Yeah, we well, we brainstorm them collectively these days. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes somebody will write me up a TPS report. Sometimes I'll just run with it. And that's yeah, we don't we... do TPS reports nearly as often as we used to either. Yeah. We've been doing the same kind of stuff for so long that we can kind of just describe something and everybody basically has the same thing in their head. Like there doesn't need to be a ton of clarification. Well, and then even when we, when we make a decision, like there was something about Grimbo where we talked about how it was going to work. And then I just implemented a different way that you then suggested later, Zach suggested, Hey, we should do this. And I said, Oh yeah, that's what I actually did instead of what we talked about. So yeah, that's nice. So you, you, you figured out what I, what future me wanted when, when he asked for that. Uh, sweaty Bill says, it feels like there's been a massive shift in the amount of attention paid to this game as of late. Is it just Shadows Over Loathing being released or is there something else going on? Loving it, by the way. Uh, well, yeah, the, so we, uh, Chris renegotiated his contract for the first time in like 15 years. And so, uh, <laughs> now we're getting more, uh, we're getting more Chris and Chris is getting more money. So, uh, I don't know, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how much detail you want to go into about it, the time commitment stuff, Chris, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's ba I mean, the bulk of my time now I can spend on KOL, which I think is uh, your your people are seeing. There's a lot of stuff going on, and even more stuff that you haven't seen. That uh, Riff has been crazy working on, and uh, oh right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You remember that thing where you, you wrote a billion <laughs> things that we have not yet even released? There's still kind of a lot, <laughs> actually, yeah, that it, I still need to do. So for, for Riff, it's definitely more about Shadows being over and the next uh, Swole game being in a state. It, it's got kind of a longer pre-production and one that doesn't require a lot of writing um, yeah. just because of some uh, shifts in the way uh, some of it works. So uh, yeah, it has just been, it has been the case that Riff has not had a lot to do on new game stuff. And so all of his time has been free to work on KOL stuff and Chris has a much more time commitment for it now and yeah and I mean that kind of makes it so I, well, I get a, to do just the fun part yeah. um, it becomes a forcing function where it's like hey I have some time let's do this time twitching tower thing and then right it like forces you to be like okay I'm gonna sit down for a morning and do x y or z right and then then you say do all these boring parts or whatever however that works out but like Having having some pressure on it, you know, I think increases everybody's commitment slightly. Yeah. I uh, boy, I uh, I kind of bit off a lot for Crimbo. I don't know why I I designed it the way that I did because uh, it's a lot of work. This this is it's not exactly like a like a two thousand nine December level of work for me, but uh, it's definitely like I was expecting to work on something other than Crimbo this week, and that turned out to be a a forlorn hope. Yeah, I don't know if we did the math, right? When we sat down and we're like, oh yeah, there'll be this many things. Yeah, well, there'll be this many of this and this many of this and each of them will have this and this and this. And then like, yeah, oh, wait a minute. that Those multiplied out to a, a <laughs> lot of numbers. It is looking at the item tags. This is, so we didn't start using tags on items super early, but we've had them, I think since 2013 at least. And this is the biggest crimbo in terms of number of items since war bears 
with exactly the same number of items as wow, Warbear Crimbo. How how long ago was Warbears? That was ten years. That was that was like the years. first year that uh, that Kevin and I were in San Francisco because we were in the like original pre Firewatch release Campo Santo offices when we uh, when we were making that. I think that was the first the first San Francisco Crimbo that we repurposed as a an office basically. Yeah. Yeah, it had a kitchen. It had a nice kitchen uh, for an office and a terrible bathroom for an office as a result of that. So not really suited to purpose. Um, uh, Salmonella says, how much longer can we hope to see KOL continue? And uh, related, um, let's see, Azu Debrock says, how are you doing financially? Any imminent danger of shutting down? Any employees feeling the need to seek additional work? Any thoughts of non-loathing titles? Uh, we're doing fine financially. Um, I don't know. I don't pay a lot of attention to it, but it feels to me like our 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 war chest is at a pretty high level uh, historically. Um, yeah, you need to be a little careful about that because uh, taxes are delayed, right? So, like, we might end up having to pay a bunch in, in April or whatever. Um, but yeah, we this this year was actually really good uh, for us. Like, shadows coming out brought a lot of people back to KOL, which also makes West of Logan sell better. Like it's, <clears throat> we're, we're doing great. Um, yeah, Shadows definitely fell off faster than West of Loathing did, uh, launching as it did into a more crowded space, being as it was, a, you know, kind of more of the same. Um, it's It did fine, but just uh, the, the, the long tail started a little earlier. Um, yeah. But we had no right to expect West of Loathing to have the initial bump that it did. I think we're, I think we're, little better than breaking even right now and have plenty of runway. So, yeah, I think I said uh, in the big call the other day, we could probably, we can definitely make one game that sells zero copies and still stay in business. We can probably make two games that sell zero copies and still stay in business. And even then, that's a kind of going out of business that doesn't mean KOL shuts down. <laughs> so, But we'd uh, still like you to buy our future games. Don't yeah, we would so. still like you to buy the games. <laughs> we would like you to, uh, you know, to buy stuff in KOL. You know, we haven't raised the price of our uh of our items of the month in 20 years so really oh, yeah. uh, they've gotten cheaper by 20 years of inflation yeah uh, how much is that uh ten dollars <laughs> in 2003 dollars has does kaggy know how to do that um come on what 17 dollars Wow. It's a $17 value, everyone. Like, it's like you're getting $7 off every Mr. Accessory. Yep. Uh, and how about personally, says Azu. I think somebody mentioned new family members and not particularly publicized since the last time. Uh, significant others. So, yeah, I had a I had a, a kid. She's almost four. And then I got married uh, to her mother. That's, <laughs> so that's been... It seemed like the right person to get married to in that situation. <laughs> I got married. Oh yeah, that was I forgot how recently that was. It was during the pandemic. Yeah. Just yeah, great, great to time your, to, to your long time. How long? How long did you guys date before you got married? Ten years. Ten years. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris's we were, we were, kids moved out. I, I shipped I shipped my my children off to college, which which honestly I started playing KOL because I had children and I needed something with less real time component than Diablo two. So. <laughs> I mean, that means at least 18 years I've been uh, been around here. 
Wait, Diablo 2? Was Diablo 2 current when KOL came out? I think so. I think that's I mean, I was... it was the newest. It was the newest Diablo, but wasn't it still like five or six years old? Oh, yeah. No, I... I... Okay. Playing that. I mean, but they kept they kept releasing updates and mm. running yeah. those servers. How does it? Where, I forget. Were your kids twins? Yep. Yep. Okay. So how does that work? I I when my daughter was born ended up playing a lot of things that I could play with just a mouse while at my standing <laughs> holding. desk holding her. But you had two. Did you have to? Did you have to hold both of them and just play games that you could play with only your tongue? <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was some putting one of them in like one of those like bouncy chairs bouncing it with my foot holding the other one and then yeah using using one hand i got a lot of i got a lot of monster train done oh, <laughs> in those early days uh a totally different kol fan says i understand that kol is an old game has way too much content to stuff into an updated version and that you guys are working on other projects loathing or otherwise but what is the future for kingdom of loathing people people are asking the big questions I, I anticipate the future to be uh, more of this, more of the same kind of stuff. As far as like, do we ever make another online game? I kind of don't want to because it's, it's real. It's real hard and it would be even harder uh, to do it with new tech. And it would be even harder to find an audience in the new terrible Internet. And the the whole notion of like game as an ongoing service versus game that's like packaged and complete and you might still like do bug fixes and like dlc and stuff but like <clears throat> like kol is like an is like an area of responsibility that we are always thinking about and working on and we don't want a second one of those <laughs> and we don't want to shut down kol so we're not gonna like yeah yeah i wonder <laughs> if there's a world where we I, I could see the only thing that might at some point be worth spending the time would be like a, a essentially a front end skin. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, that sounds crazy. Like a mobile first or native, but it just, the amount of effort that that would be, KOL is not designed to be something with multiple front ends. Even the yeah. current mobile version of KOL is tacked on to say the, the least. Well, sorry, like, this is not a particularly podcast-friendly office space that I'm in these days, and so every time anyone gets arrested in the entire city of San Francisco, <laughs> we're going to hear all the sirens. <laughs> Luckily, the cops here don't do anything, so it's just it's just when buildings are burning down. So speaking <laughs> of that, Shiverwarp says, uh, do, do you have any interest in visiting a mobile-friendly version of KOL, perhaps an actual Android app? Uh, I think KOL has real potential in the mobile market, but it can be clunky to navigate on mobile currently. I... You know, people have been saying this for years, and I I maintain that it has never been true, and it is especially not true now. Um, that I, I don't I don't believe it's. I I think that it would be very difficult to make a, like Chris just said, a front end, because so much of KOL the the UI lives in the game logic. Um, anything There's anything besides just like adventure here, get this you know very standard item with very standard enchantments on it or whatever. Um, it it ends up just needing to be a web front end in order for anything to function correctly. So, like if we did a if we did a new front end for it, it would be a kind of a fundamentally compromised version of the game. You were going to say something about it, though, Kevin. Well, just the the fact. Well, I was going to ask what like what do we think Mafia is? It, is is it's not really a front end. It's just like an adjunct, but it. It changes the way that people interact with the game, right? But that's also had 20 years of development or something at this point. So, like, Yeah, I mean, it automates a lot of things, but I think 
I mean, I actually, I mean, I haven't used it in a decade, right? But a lot of the work was on the essentially the like pass through. So you like it's you still play KO on a browser, and then your web requests pass through Mafia, and it does some automations and adds stuff to them. Um, so it's yeah, I think that's primarily how you're still interacting with it. And I think notably in all of those 20 years of open source development, no one has even tried to make a mobile version of Mafia that I'm aware of. Maybe they have, but I just, it's very hard for me to believe that it would work because at its heart, it's still a, just a browser. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it's, you know, it's not intended, like it's not for, for a novice player or, or yeah, you know, it abstracts a lot of stuff. Also, I don't know. I don't think it would be Android first. Just because none of us have an Android. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I guess we all we're all yeah. we're iPhones only. We all got we're dim all blue, blue dim blue bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Maxi Momo says, who do I need to blow money on in order to get official KOL socks? This is stated like a question, but it's meant to be read with an exclamation. Thanks for the game. <laughs> Yo, uh, up upper ascii characters uh boy there's not gonna be any new kol merch <laughs> no, nobody ain't nobody got time for that as they say uh I, nobody's interested in you find somebody that has like a an, an embroidery machine and you take them their socks and uh download a picture from the game and have them make you some socks oh yeah then <laughs> the socks can be whatever color you want they can be whatever you know they could be kol socks that have spider-man on them I mean, you shouldn't do this, but you can probably, right? Like you got a, what is it like red, red bubble or, you know, yeah, I was gonna say. really, someone that really doesn't check the IP that you upload and make yourself some KOL socks. Just don't sell them to anybody else. If you do that, uh, I will buy at least one set of it before <laughs> uh, sicking the lawyers on you. <laughs> Historically, um, I got some, uh, I got some bootleg West of Loathing merch. Uh, <laughs> Ah, uh, let's see. Jarrett, two fifty five. Those, those were, those were all the questions that I had like prioritized. So now let's just read them in order. Go that was, that was a good set of questions. So bounce around. Yeah, well, I mean, I figure if anybody is only going to listen to the first twenty minutes or so of this, they should get all of the important questions out of the way. Uh, Jarrett two fifty five says, "Are there any plans to allow players to get factoids for event monsters that are non wishable, i.e., a mechanism to fight the monster with no drops? You know, depending on how many of them there are." I could imagine some effort being undertaken to allow that in some way. Um, what did I do recently in this vein? Did I like tweak some monsters to make them wishable? And you remove their conditionals, I think. Yeah, something. Yeah. I don't know what the criteria is for a monster to be wishable. So I don't know. I mean, so I'm reluctant to do things like D deleting all of the item drops from the monster, right? Because then if we go back and look at it, we're like, oh, what the hell did this thing do? And we won't know, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> I guess we could we could look at the wiki, but I don't want to I don't want to do it in a way that's like destructive to the to the historical data. But like, I could imagine some sort of a device that just lets you start one fight a day with a monster that you don't have factoids from or something and just doesn't give you any stats and doesn't give you any uh doesn't give you any drops and also yeah. costs a hundred adventures. <laughs> yeah, like uh yeah, like a you enter the historic 
recreation portal. Oh, like uh, the like the 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 chamber on the Enterprise. Yeah, you holodeck. Could, yeah, holodeck. You program up Crimbo twenty seventeen. Oh, but we can put the the old the big tweezers and the <laughs> clocktopus and things like that yeah. here too. Were those ever actual monsters that you could fight though? I think the tweezers was, wasn't it? That sounds right. I don't think, I think the clocktopus I drew, but never yeah. actually made as a monster. Yeah. I just always remembered it because I thought that was a really good pun. Let's see. Uh, Jeff 3 po I'm going to read several questions in a row here. Jeff 3 po says, I heard not necessarily from devs that lack of new content for Lyle or the Quantum of Familiar was because you guys were working on Shadows Over Loathing. Now that that's out, can we expect some new content for these open items? Uh, let's see. Weird Al Spankin' Rich says, any plans to extend or expand the monorail? Uh, let's see. I'm going to forward search for Lyle. Uh, Cyber Earp says, any plans for Lyle and Co? Grey Goo was so long ago and they're still teasing about the goo. Also, is there any chance for retired content such as the Obsidian Dagger, which was teased to return, to be returned in an event? Uh, I don't know what the Obsidian Dagger is. Yeah, I don't Ooh. remember that at all. <laughs> the Pasta Mage says, what's up with the foreshadowing of Lyle Co and the warehouse lines? It's been two years of waiting. Uh, and that was the that was the last of the Lyles. Let's uh, search for monorail. Let's see. Uh, Nez50 says, I love items of the month that give access to new exclusive zones. With the monorail being home to Fantasy Realm and Pirate Realm, are you going to bring more realms to the monorail or more monorail locations at all in the future? Um, yeah, I don't know. Where is it? We, don't, we never talk about it anymore. Those were always kind of Chris's baby. So, I mean, the, the warehouse district, I actually, it's been half done on on dev for the longest time uh and i have a warning on the main screen that tells me hey these four areas need you to do something and i just just haven't because i uh i got i got i don't know i got stuck but that i mean i could probably finish that um yeah Are those, I, did we I, did we all work on that or is that just something that you made is, is that the just game? a random yeah zone like it it's just like a choice adventure where you pay like three adventures to go to the warehouse. And then there's a series of warehouses uh, with different spellings of the word where um, mm. and some office references, I think we um, should finish that. I bet people would enjoy that. I did see when I added the, if you have the um, candy, candy cane sword cane and you visit Lyle, he always gives you once a day, he gives you Lyle's blessing. And if you have the candy cane sword, Kane, he asks if he can have a lick of it, uh, and you let him, and you get a second effect. Uh, and I noticed that it mentions some sort of foreshadowing about goo, so I, I think I removed that because I was like, I, I'm pretty sure that wasn't the plan. But yeah, some will probably happen there sometime. Like the actual monorail stops, like which were equivalent to like that was the plan for the new charters. Um, we just keep not doing those um because historically those have taken a lot of zach's time and we've you know yeah we didn't really get in the habit of i mean i still i still will burn a lot of time on challenge paths and on crimbo but especially during i i because i was not gonna crunch on shadows like i did on west of loathing i kept kept at shadows at a real steady pace for basically the entire time that we were working on it. So there was never like a good time for me to yeah. just pause to work on KOL for a week. And so, yeah, the, the, the charters always, I don't know that, that those feel more so than challenge paths. Don't feel like they just like take it out of me the way that charters and Crimbo 
do and i don't i don't know why i mean it's, i guess it's just less stuff but um we, we should do a trailer a world this year. Where we just, yeah i say there's a world where we just like riff and i collaborate on it and we give you a list of art right it doesn't need to fall on your plate i don't think right yeah uh naya is stupid writes if fred durst of limb biscuit offered a collaboration to you guys what would you say slash do um i think you're asking this because you know what i recently learned which is that uh fred durst has a condition under which he will license limp biscuit songs to video games and that condition is that he himself be a playable character in the video game so the answer is <laughs> fuck, fuck yeah i would collaborate with limp biscuit <laughs> Cause it can be unlockable, right? Like it's, it can be like weird, but yeah, I mean, the, cause here's what I would do. I would have Fred Durst as the, the fighter, uh, the fighter class, uh, Polly Shore as the mage class and then figure out who the third, maybe a Lillard as the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. as the rogue class. And then it's just, yeah, there we go. Like SLC punk style. Uh, yeah. I've, 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 uh, I have always wanted Polly Shore to be a character class and they hinted at it in those skeletons. Uh, Haxi says, hi, everyone. It's been a bit more than a year since Shadows Over Loathing dropped out of nowhere. How do you feel about its performance and not necessarily financially? Did it meet your ultimate expectations as a finished product? Yeah, I'm I'm really pleased with it and really proud of it. I think it I think it came together pretty well. It's um, I think it's like the longest individual thing we've done. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't get tired of playtesting it, which felt surprising to me. Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in playtesting, I finished it twice. I never actually finished West of Loathing. Yeah, like my my wife played West of Loathing after we met, and I thought she was doing it just to be polite. Uh, but then she asked if we wanted any help, and I was like, yeah, do you want to beta test it? And I think she beat it with every class during testing, like way wow. more than way more than she needed to. So it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on there. I guess it had more people working on it too. So there was a little more variety and even more of it was stuff that I, like I was able to play parts of it that I just had nothing to do with the making yeah, of, which yeah. made it a little more interesting. Um, uh, a, and then a lot of periods, right? I'm pretty sure in the first Twitch event, you drew the art physically, then scanned it in. Uh, so what if you sold the original physical art you made for the game's items, monsters, et cetera, to wealthy and impulsive collectors and made absolute bank off of that? A, I don't think it would make that much money, and B, I don't, I, I don't want to. I want to keep, I want to keep them in my it's binder. Like the opposite of NFTs, where it's just literally a piece of paper that you sell to someone. <laughs> also, what's on the page is often not really the final. not the final. Like especially now, uh, I a few years ago, I switched to using because it was really cumbersome to shift gears between the way that I scan and process art for KOL from the beginning and the way that I did it for the new games. And so I switched to doing it the same way for both games um, by just like kind of tweaking it until I was like, all right, you guys, I, I'm going to keep posting two versions of these things until you can't tell me which one is right and which one is wrong. And it, and it turned out to be pretty easy. Um, and then wear those glasses forever. Yeah. And I, but what it means is that uh, it is a lot easier to edit between drawing and publishing. Um, I guess it, if anybody is interested in the technical details of that, the reason for it is because with the new games, I scan things in extremely high resolution in just black and white and edit it that way. And then I shrink it to get all the anti-aliasing 
that is necessary for it to look okay on screens, but I shrink the finished sprites. Um, I didn't used to do that for KOL. It got scanned in grayscale with this like custom curve that I had set up in the scanner software to make it look like the rest of the game art. Uh, and so now and when, I- When a scanner would die and we'd have to reproduce it, we'd have to like spend like an entire day <clears throat> tweaking the curve until it, until it matched. Yeah, I mean, it was probably only like 10 minutes every time, but it was like, we just based on a screenshot of the curve. Also the scanner software is kind of shitty and hasn't been updated for a long time. And with this, with this, I could probably use a new scanner. Like I have, I have so many of them. Like I bought so many of them when they were like twenty dollars. That uh, it's, I think, the last. The Just rest having the, them out for Halloween. Yeah, the, the scanner, they'll, they'll, they'll my career. The scanners you were using. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And the keyboard uh, too. I, so I just I have enough new inbox versions of my keyboard. Also, uh, I want to say that uh, I've turned out to be on the right side of history there because everyone else has come around to liking mechanical keyboards. I never yeah, stopped. Yeah. I never stopped using them because I kept using this keyboard from 1998 <laughs> for all these years. Um, I've started taking them apart uh, and cleaning all of the keycaps and the and the casing individually. Every year or two it's pretty satisfying <laughs> concerned citizen rights variety in the daily raffle be nice to see some new prizes yeah we i think we're all agreed on uh being okay with doing something pretty significant to that we just need to actually make it happen maybe we talked about doing it at the yeah okay so yeah maybe maybe yeah something may happen soon uh, <laughs> uh, Will, aka Bellsbeth Boogie, says, "Love your work. Got some questions. Uh, I know there's a need for meat sinks, but what's the point of the drip? Is it done, or will it actually lead to something that is useful outside the drip? Well, it's not done. It probably won't lead to anything that's useful outside the drip. Uh, I, it was a good idea having something where I could just like fairly easily add content to a thing because I, I kind of looked back on when we had the C to work on." You know, and it was like years where people were like, Jesus Christ, when are you going to do something with the C? Uh, and I was like, you know, that was actually kind of nice having an ongoing thing that was like just kind of a secondary uh, mode of play. But then I, I don't know, I kind of got less excited about it over time. I also think I made the mistake of uh, looking at a forum thread about it. And then that put me in a shitty mood and put a bad taste in my mouth about it. And so I just haven't gone back to it. And now I've... I made a document that explained everything about how it works and how to add things without unbalancing the things that were that were balanced in it. Uh, but it would take me a while to get spun up again now. I specifically chose an art style that was really easy to add stuff in. Um, but yeah, you know, the point of it was to be a drip of content when there was not a lot else going on. Irat says, with beachcomb tiles being completely spaded out and with multiple ways to ensure that profitable tiles, tiles are controlled by a single group, is there a possibility to change the beachcomb to have the rare tile shuffle every month? Kevin, that's you're the only one who understands anything about that. It's been so long since I've thought about that. I, I didn't realize that people had actually like cornered it like that. I, th I thought it was randomized significantly or, or enough to avoid that, but I guess not. I guess us assuming that we can ever make anything that won't be spaded to the point where people can predict things with absolute certainty is, is folly. We need to get a, uh, one of those like lava lamp walls that they use. 
for seeding Man. stuff. Yeah, get some get some cesium and a Geiger counter. Or <laughs> yeah. Terminator <laughs> says, Merry Crimbo, guys. Do you each have a favorite item of the month or one you're most proud of? I should have uh, told people about this question ahead of time. Yeah, geez. Uh, I think the sword terminal might be my favorite. That or the, the KG briefcase. I think I would say the the Batman comics. Writing 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 alternate Batman villains was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was what that was like a weird that was an item of the year sort of, but it was that weird it's the weird experiment where we sold them for a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody and everybody hated it. <laughs> I think the I think the Batman game was fun. I I'm really pleased with the Spelunky one. I like mm -hmm. doing that mini game. As far as normal ones, I so I think thematically I'm still uh I still insist that the reason that the Smith's tome was so powerful is because the jokes and the names were so good. <laughs> uh of the items. Yeah. Feel like for myself, I would say what the the time spinner or the June cleaver, just because they're both so weird. Ben M says, "Will there be more Fondulac references in future games?" My wife nearly lost it when she saw Frond Dulac in West of Loathing. <laughs> who wrote, did, was that? Me or you, Riff? I don't know. It might have been me because Jenny is from Fondulac. Oh, it's Duloc. Or I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a Minnesota accent, so inevitably I'm not going to pronounce it the same as or Wisconsin accent. Really. See, I don't even know. You don't even know what state <laughs> it's in. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know what state it's in. None of this. I don't know nothing. Those northern vampires, the Dulaculas. Let's see. Tyrone Jones says, thank you for making this. I still love it. To what extent do you seek slash track returning players? I know I got married and had small children. So this, along with many other things, was put to the side. Are you seeing an uptick in players returning? We really ought to be tracking stuff like that, but we do not. <laughs> We're so bad at metrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, inches all the way. Yeah. <laughs> I think, the, I mean, the only thing we do is we have the, like, that returning player email. So if you, if you play the game for a while and then you go away, we send you an email once that's like hey we miss you come back and then if you do i think it resets the timer and maybe it will send you another one you know the next time you disappear but that's like that's about as far as we ever got in terms of like trying to actively bring players back but people definitely come back whenever we release a new game um yeah oh yeah i think it just puts it in the consciousness and people are like oh yeah that's still a thing like to to a greater extent than we could achieve by like <laughs> trying to do that like our our stuff is really it continues to be really resistant to any kind of traditional marketing. I always feel like oh, I'm probably just being naive when I say this, but it's so consistent. Like no one has ever been able to figure out how to market any of this. Yeah. Um, and like some random horse shit that we do, will get a hundred times the like natural engagement of anything that we pay for. It's, that's weird. Also, I'm sure I, where... more, but we do get we do get like a handful a week of people that even reach out like, hey, I know I had a character. It was one of these 10 email addresses or right, like and help me find it. And like, you know, the people that probably remember their their name or email address is probably higher. So it's got to be two or two or three handfuls a week. Yeah. Like, 
Uh, Tal the Wicked says, do you still listen to Hello from the Magic Tavern? No. I moved on to uh, Rude Tales of Magic. Does that have people in common? Uh, I think those people know each other, but I, I think one is in L.A. and one is in New York, so they don't cross over much. But I listened to Hey Riddle oh, Riddle they, for a couple years. Yeah, but... uh, Rude Tales of Magic moved to the same like the the same publisher bucket of milk or whatever that does hey hey riddle riddle so they they've done some uh crossovers there so as that podcast ran out of riddles i kind of ran out of wanting to listen to it (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i stopped hello from the magic tavern i feel like there were two or three episodes about sword sex i just i just (laughs) oh i was not i was not interested i think it was early on like only maybe 20 or 30 episodes in but i was like okay I've had enough. Uh, also, Tal continues. I still listen to the Wizards and Warriors theme song from time to time. Thanks for getting me hooked. Ah, yeah, man. It's still pretty good. Uh, how picked? No, how pickled is Crimbo going to be this year? I don't know how to answer that because I don't know what it means. Well, the one of the Crimbo foods is like a pickle. Oh, <laughs> right. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty pickled. I thought maybe pickled was just a slang for off the hook or something. I, <laughs> I wondered if it was like, did the did the the pickle factory originally show up at Crimbo or something? But no, that makes a lot more sense. Uh, oh yeah, I was I listened to uh, I listened to a back episode uh, that you and I, Chris, recorded like five years ago or something. And uh, somebody asked if we would ever do a spectral pickle Rick familiar. And we said, no, no, we would not. <laughs> we kept that promise. And Benny B says, G-Lover, G-Lover had as its in-season workshed, the Asden Martin. Last year's workshed update, where you must now manually reinstall at the start of your run, made it no longer work. Could you shoehorn a G into the Asden Martin key fob? Yeah, let's see. The good Asden Martin key fob. Asden Martin model G key fob? Yeah. Uh, the Asden Martin key fog. <laughs> key ring, key fob, and ring. Uh, is is anyone going to remember to do that? Keg fob. I'm going to open it up right now. Could be Gaston Martin. <laughs> Aston G. Martin. He just had a... <laughs> he has a middle initial now. Name guy man says, G'day, is there a possibility of another minigame combat system that uses fight.php getting released in the future, e.g. Pocket Monster, or Pocket Familiars, Batfellow, Spelunky, Grimstone Mask minigames, or have those proven too problematic to maintain? Well, Pocket Familiars is entirely different uh, than those others because it does not use fight.php. What it did do was it demonstrated that with some allowances, we could make a combat system that uses the existing monster data, but has an entirely different means of interaction and you can still like finish a run with it. Like if we still have the item drops and like execute the conditionals and stuff. Um, the only one of those others, like we almost never, well, and it's possible because uh, people don't play Batfellow or Spelunky as much anymore, but the the wolf game is the only one that we really have trouble with uh, whenever. And I don't know why, maybe it's because it's not a limit mode. Like, did we introduce the idea of limit modes after the wolf game? Yeah, I think so. Right. We just, I think that is there the alternative 
combat skill combat bar is that what that uses um yeah and it's just because you can bring everything into it and it is it is the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> um yeah no it sucks that that's it it causes problems and i also think i think it's a thing where it's like okay for basically no investment you can have infinite fights kind of so anything per fight anything that has any kind of benefit per fight that we don't remember to that like doesn't use some channel that's already handled in there or that we don't remember to check for that just becomes a problem uh swagger t says will we ever get a comprehensive piece of media whether that be a book or an in-game item that goes over a majority of loathing history and in-world lore i have definitely thought about and actually done a little bit of work on a sort of a coffee table book kind of thing so i imagine that that could happen one day i don't think the kol's lore really lends itself to being scrutinized it, yeah it's you could barely call it lore <laughs> it's and the story the story of how things progressed is kind of interesting like the the slow sort of build of content to the you know release of the naughty sorceress to ns13 you know like i feel like there's there's a story there about how things unfolded that's kind of interesting the the story of the game not the story yeah. of the world yeah exactly yeah, yeah. There's the there's olden times, times of yore. Yeah, I feel like Kwall is a great framework to hang smaller stories, vignettes in, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and there is some consistent stuff that we talk about, but we don't ever like, like we don't have like a Bible. Yeah. Riff is not whipping it. out the Bible and yelling at us, guys, guys. <laughs> I can't believe you made Boris say this. Uh, Patrick writes what's the furthest you've ever been from the place that you were born uh, however far it is from Effingham Illinois to Adelaide uh, New South Wales uh, is the furthest I think I was trying to figure that I don't I don't it's either it's either Tahiti from Buffalo or Tokyo I would have to look at a globe how do you yeah, find I, the antipode of a place or whatever? I don't know. Uh, globe and a drill. Antipodes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Antipodes. Oh, wait. com. Okay. There's, it's there's probably Australia. Like... It's probably Australia. Uh, Australia for you too, right, Kevin? It's got. I'm. I'm sure it is. I'm just. I'm trying to actually like look it up because there's a. Uh, there's a, an app that that literally yeah. just does this so i'm gonna see if i can figure it out <clears throat> it's, in the, it's gonna be in the middle of the, the actual antipodes in the middle of the ocean i'm guessing so uh wherever the hell that is all right zooming out and you're claiming that you've been there so you've been maximally far away from me <laughs> no, no, no so yeah so if i had been it, like so it's but the ocean between uh africa and australia is the like farthest away um, there are a couple of islands there that are like near there, but I've never been to them. So and I'm guessing, uh, man, I feel like Ghana and and like uh, Adelaide are probably equally oh, yeah. from this. 
So I don't know, Ghana or or Adelaide. Are probably but I always the, forget that I always forget that you spent time in in Africa. Like, yeah, going, just, going going south, like you're like there's so many things down there that are so much further than going to Europe. Yeah. Oh, actually, India is pretty close to this too. Hell, I don't know. It's it's either Ghana, Delhi, or Adelaide is uh, is the closest to the antipode of my birth. <clears throat> yeah. Where the, um, where is Tahiti, <laughs> Chris? So I'm saying, the the way that they, they this is they have someone's they have an icon of someone sticking their head in a hole where you were where you, in the first location and their head pops out of the earth on the other <laughs> side. Mm. The, 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 the like idea here is you have a really long neck, or just that maybe the closer your neck gets to the center of the earth, the more time dilates. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Uther says, in 2016, it was stated that Trophy 145 was unobtainable. Has that changed in the past seven years? Is Trophy 145 now obtainable? Probably not. Uh, this is another thing that Chris and I talked about on that podcast, which is that we should really make all of the trophies attainable. Um, well, I did. I did. I did. Uh, I did fix several of those. What the heck? Oh, <laughs> is Trophy 140. Do people know what it is? Has it ever been obtainable? I don't know. I don't know what it is. We probably shouldn't say it on a podcast. <laughs> Let me here mime it to me. Uh, we're on we're on Zoom, which we never are. <laughs> Do you know sign language? I think it might be. I think it might be related to the the thingy, um, the spelunky. Oh. Uh, Aqua one thirteen says, "What kind of deal did Hellstrom make with Duke Bovicus? See, this is the kind of thing which is why I say that lore is not really a thing that we can do, uh, because I'm sure that no one ever decided what kind of deal <laughs> that was. I think it was just to get rich, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, just that, just that, like Hellstrom making a deal with a cow demon is what made it so oil." became a massive industry yeah and, like and that. sort of yeah. ravaged ravaged and, and, the, and put the, him the, on the top of it yeah yeah uh hello says phobator happy holidays and thank you for your time what is your opinion on the bourgeoisie oppression of the proletariat uh, i'm all for it but uh the you know our 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 work has never uh stood up to a marxist reading Disco Stew's party van says, there was talk at one point of the potential for new ultra rares. I'm wondering, are those still in the potential category? Uh, the idea of getting a familiar de-ager uh, from Doc Brown, I don't know where you would put Doc Brown, uh, or a suspicious knife from a star astronaut appeals to me. I don't understand the suspicious knife from the star astronaut uh, joke. The familiar de-ager is still a is thing. An Among Us thing? Oh, Maybe. Yes. Yes, it is suspicious. I I cannot see those little homunculuses as astronauts. That like when Shadows came out, the there are a bunch of people on Twitter posting a picture of the mailbox and yelling Among Us <laughs> about it. Well, the mailbox is also not an astronaut, so it's, uh... <laughs> was that, was that not intentional, Zach? You didn't make the mailbox look like a little. Among Us character? No, no. I I, I made it look like a mailbox. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's made out of stone, so it's a little weird already, right? Like, oh, wait. Is the. 
It's the one at the the stone fret, I think. It's, uh, I mean, the. I guess if your spacesuit had an envelope instead of a <laughs> pane of glass in the mask, then sure. Uh, I I do want to make an ultra rare thing that takes a familiar out of your terrarium. I like people talked me out of that fifteen years ago, seventeen years ago, because they were like, "No, that would that would irreparably harm the confidence in item of the month investors in your ability to handle this economy as though it was a thing that you cared about." And I just ultra rare. I don't believe that's true anymore. And also, yeah, as an ultra rare, there would maybe be one of them a month, depending was, on where Kevin we put it. The ones who talked you out of that. No, it was mainly well, Boozer Bear. Also, the like, it, I one concern that I had at the time, I think, was like it. It would, I think, dramatically increase the desire to break into other people's accounts. And like, if you can get if you can get access to somebody's account and take out their familiars and sell them, like there are things that are worth hundreds or thousands of dollars on other people's accounts, right? So like, I, I, I just go and get one of these ultra rares. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what happens to the mall price of that as an ultra rare. Like, does it become, is it pinned to the mall price of the most expensive familiar possible? Yeah, like, like, what does that even right? mean? I mean, yeah. it, okay, that would be true if, if the economy were perfectly rational, but it is not. So like what? Yeah. I think that there would be so few of them that market forces would not have a chance to operate if it was an ultra rare. Would um, they just be a collectible? Would people not use them? Mm, I don't know. It's a great question. You know how we should answer that question? We should just yeah. make it as an ultra rare. Without what if we make it in an ultra rare that shows up in uh, a time twitching tower zone? So it's like an ultra ultra rare. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> ultra also, rare spectral pickle. <laughs> also, it's the uh, it's like a consumable that you can use to get like a hundred thousand turns or something. So you have to make a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you have to spend them all in one day, though, because it's still too Yeah. Um, let's see. Is there any lore you can share about the mysterious connection the kingdom has to distant lands, e.g. its temporal field, the person who knows how to get through, why is time messed up, etc.? Big fan of lore stuff. Uh, that's from Lore Researcher. Again, I'm I'm really sorry about this tree you're barking up, um, but... Like, if you want to ask questions about word realms, we actually did make a world Bible for that game. <laughs> yeah, and look at where that got us. <laughs> yeah, we're we're clearly still making making that MMO. <laughs> uh, then Charlie Jane Anders wrote uh, a book that takes place in a very similar uh, situation to that, that uh, city on the edge of the day or what I forget. Cool. It's a yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't I read I read uh, the other one about birds, all the birds <laughs> in the sky. Uh, and it was really good. But I and I read the premise of that and bought it, and then I didn't get around to reading it. So I knew that. Uh, yeah, SOL fan says, "Huh? Oh yeah, I just read that book. That was a really good book. What's it called? It is called The City in the Middle of the Night. The City in the Middle of the Night. Yeah, that's also such a fucking clever title for. Uh, yeah, what is it? It's like uh, premise. It, yeah, like uh, the 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 main city that it takes place in. Is it like?" The bottom of a chasm on this planet, at where the the sun is basically hot enough to destroy the life that life if it like hits it directly. So they live in like the umbra or whatever. And then oh, I thought it was just on the edge of a tidally locked, like on the on the. Oh yeah, and that's the, why like, it doesn't daylight move. line of the yeah the sun yeah. doesn't move yeah so. Um, SOL fan says, why is there cow eruption in KOL but not shadow taint? 
I, the, probably the needs of the challenge path didn't suggest a use for it. Um, I also feel like I spent less time on the shadows challenge path than I did on the West of Loathing challenge path, but. There ain't no need for it. The, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the, the but, shadow God, the shadow God was focused specifically on, on, uh, on uh, Ocean City, whereas the cows live in hell, so they're everywhere underneath the ground, everywhere. See, there is lore. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Pool C says, will you add more transaction methods in KOL besides PayPal? Chris, you have feelings about this. Uh, I, I saw this question. I thought, well, we'll go back in time. I'd decade and add amazon and then for some period of time we'll add rixty cards you can go to your local gamestop probably and buy them and then use them in exchange for mr accessories but you can use amazon and i am i wrong about it i feel like either the paypal or the amazon link these days you can just click in and put in a credit card i don't maybe i don't think you have I mean, paypal have. paypal you always could yeah, yeah. um yeah, is there one where you can take a photograph of a ten dollar bill <laughs> <laughs> and then like sign an affidavit promising that you burned it? And we can probably hook <laughs> we can probably hook Venmo up to it. Uh, and then we take that ten that picture of the ten dollar bill with the affidavit to the bank. <laughs> well, I was gonna say because like when, we're, when we get money, we immediately just take it all out and cash it and throw it in the in the fire. So if you burn it at home, it's like the same thing. Yeah. Uh, what we will accept is uh, a 2011 Bitcoin. Yeah, we should start <laughs> accepting that and holding it. Yeah. And, or one of those great big stone wheels, because those are cool. Mm -hmm. uh, John Prime says, hi, Zach. A couple of years ago, I sent you a link to a narrative fiction game I made, and then you pledged to my Patreon, and it made my week. I've since stopped writing and creating as much as I would like. And my question is, how do you keep going? Uh, th this is only going to apply to... Uh, a situation in which you've been extremely fortunate and your your day job is making stuff because uh, for me it's like well i got a i got a mortgage payment to make and so it's i keep going the way that everybody keeps going to their job but um i have found over the last few years um as i've tried to i just decided when my daughter was born that i was going to work eight hours a day and that was that was it i just i wasn't i wasn't working late i wasn't working weekends i did work a few weekends finishing up shadows like a few weekend days but uh and so i kind of made a conscious effort to make more of the time that i had at work and screw around a lot less and honestly just like breaking things into like, here's the thing that you have to do that there are 150 of. Just do some of them. Like, every day, do some of them. Like, do the ones that you're in the mood for. Or if you're running out of time and, and they're all things that you're dreading, do them in alphabetical order. And that's how I got all of Shadows done. Like, I, mean, I, I would like make it. Is, right, like, don't I, I mean, I have not read on writing, right? Or, or, but I feel like that is the advice from, from nearly every successful person in like a creative field is just, you just have to do it, right? Like, a, who, who is the like, put a check mark in the calendar each day that you do it. And your goal is to have a check mark on every day and like, like write down and write five pages. Like, that's what you're going to do. And it's just, it is literally just treating it like an actual job. 
Yeah, I, I have I have been saying this for a long time to to anyone who listened. I I don't think that discipline is like a virtue or a property that a person has. I think discipline is a behavior and you just do it. Like there's only one way to do it and that's to just do it. Like just every day, whether you're in the mood or not, just do some of the thing that you wish you were doing. And it just, you know, it gets, it gets easier. It becomes a habit. It, it like, it becomes weird to not do it. Jerry Seinfeld was don't break the chain, which is like market track each day where you wrote 10 jokes or whatever your goal is. And don't break that chain. Yeah. I saw some interview with Stephen King that popped up on TikTok, and there's somebody asked him like, how have you maintained such a prolific output for all these years? And he said, well, every day I try to write six pages and it usually takes three or four hours. And so it's like, okay, so like one of the most productive creative people who has ever lived works three hours a day because <laughs> he's good at just do, like doing it every day. Like, I'm sure he does all the other, all the other stuff that he's got to do. And those, you know, I mean, he probably, he probably has people to do that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> at this point. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, that's another thing is like, you know, having been fortunate enough to be able to hire a staff to do the things that I'm not as good at or less interested in doing has been really helpful for freeing up time. Uh, Stink the Sweaty says, would you consider making a loathing tabletop RPG? I don't, I I don't really want to do that. I could imagine doing it, but it would take, it would require a, a huge gap in my attention being needed elsewhere to pull it off yeah i mean if you just spend an hour on it every day you know <laughs> eventually it'd get done but it, it's i i when i think about something like that i think well we've already got all this content right we've already got all this writing we've done but adapting it is almost more work than just writing new stuff yeah exactly like it's yeah. a different it's a different kind of work that's weirdly harder and because like every you couldn't use the same mechanical game systems for a combat system in a right. TTRPG. So every single monster you wanted to to put in the monstrous Manuel for the for the book would have to be entirely refigured. So so even if even if all of the writing was recycled, the the mechanical functions of a TTRPG would have to be built from scratch. It'd be a real project. Is there a market for that even? Like seems like the kind of thing you'd have to like do as a Kickstarter, which is then a whole nother can of worms because you're committing to it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's something we might have been able to do a Kickstarter for, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But yeah, it's I don't know. I just I I'm not that I'm not that interested in the in the idea of it. And I think somebody somebody would have to care about it enough to drive, and I don't think any of us do. Uh, the Erosion Seeker says, Dick Stabbers are using a strat called Sicko Mode that basically cuts 100 turns from a run. A summary is on the wiki. What are the Power of the Beast thoughts on how to nerf this degenerate strategy? Both Ascenders Hardcore and Softcore among us are interested in knowing. We figured out how we're going to how we're gonna fix it. I, we, we, we arrived at a solution that I think everyone is happy with. Uh, I, I haven't heard of this. What What is sicko mode? Can you summarize? It's complicated. It is complicated. It uses a bunch of stuff to make it so you can fight in the battlefield and the only monster you encounter is the green ops hippie, yeah. which is one of the only things in the game that still 
gives you free runaways, huh. uh, the smoke bomb that it drops. And it so you just- percent rejection or 90% chance of, a free, of being a free runaway. And if you can get enough of them, you, you I think you use drones to duplicate drops, but there's a lot of, it's extremely precise, like turn management for a bunch of effects and things. It's, it's extremely complicated. And I, I understand why people are like, please don't, allow us to do this to ourselves. Then you get those smoke bombs and then you use them to do other like metagame stuff where you like blow off turns and zones to like get to the to the the choices and on combats or whatever. And it's like it's cool. I love that people figure these things out, but then you know I think they also are happy when we nerf them after they've had their fun. (laughs) Um let's see. Uh, Azu says, what's everybody reading, including comics, manga, watching, playing? Uh, man, it has been such a good year for video games. Like, there have been so many games yeah. that I have, like, just dived into real hard. Like, Hogwarts Legacy, Tears of the Kingdom. I played all of, well, I played almost all of Cyberpunk 2077 until it just stopped working on my computer. Uh, Starfield, Baldur's Gate 3. Like, it has been a bounty. <laughs> Yeah, Talos <laughs> Principle Two is really good. I got super into uh, Fear and Hunger Two for a while, and that's still being updated. So I'll probably be back in it when the next patch comes out. I played the first one of those because I saw you playing it, and I, it didn't it didn't grab me the way that the it... the second one is has, is better polished, and the okay. setting is more interesting. It, it's set in like the week after the end of World War Two in that world's version of Prague. So it's, it's pretty cool. Kevin, I feel like I haven't talked to, I haven't heard you talk about playing a video game in five years. I've been playing a lot less. I looked at my, like, uh, I don't know, Nintendo switch like year in review. And it was like, you played 50 hours of video games this year. And it's mostly shadows of the blue. (laughs) (laughs) Like, cool. Yeah. I, I, uh, I've just been so busy. Um, I, I, uh, I acquired a house that required, needs a lot of work. And so basically, basically every single spare moment of my time has been spent working on the house, which is like my new video game, I guess. Except it's not video and it's not a game. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the video game version of Tom Hanks is the money pit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, re- I rewatched that recently. I don't think it was this year. <laughs> I read a lot. I read, I just finished my 50th book, Goodreads told me. I just finished uh, the Gideon the Ninth and uh, something, which was really good. I just kept seeing it pop on lists. It's like, um, she doesn't credit it anywhere. What's her name? Tasman Muir? I don't even know how to say her name, but it's like, uh, uh, my gosh, what is what are the books that you turned me on to, Riff, that you know, oh, uh, Dan. Warhammer 40k, yeah. yeah, it's like Warhammer 40k, like the future is war, everyone's run by necromancers, except it's like the main character is is very modern sensibilities in this like dark future necromancer world. Well, that sounds pretty good, yeah. It It's, I guess, I was disappointed when I finished the third book and realized that there's a fourth and maybe a fifth book, uh, you know. Like all of us who have been hurt by, by uh, 
by authors. I've, I've sworn off starting unfinished series and I got <laughs> I read uh, Garth Marenghi's Terror Tome. That's super good. Oh, I actually managed to read a lot of books this year. I Like every January, I think this is the year I'm going to read a lot of books. And, and uh, this is the year that I finally did it. And I did it by just not using the Kindle on my phone, like mm-hmm. having a physical book that I carry around. Hmm. Also, the fact that we've been traveling. So I'm having some work done on my house that was supposed to take three months and it's going on six months now. And so there've just been a lot of travel and a lot of time in hotels and Airbnbs, not near any of my stuff, which has helped, uh, has helped me read like the one book I have here. Uh, something that I would recommend to anybody who, who likes uh, this podcast is John Romero's book, Doom Guy. It's just real good. Uh, I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. It's, um, because I'll read video game history books, even if they're not particularly well-written, because I'm interested in it. But this one was fun. And it was just like really went into an era of time that hasn't gotten a ton of attention, but that was like I was around for and kind of seeing the other end of. And and so it was, I don't know, it's a good book. Finally, it says, oh, yeah. Oh, the Blade the blade itself, Joel, Joe, Joe Abercrombie, anybody read those? Uh-huh. They've been like recommending me as like modern, gritty, uh, fantasy. Like in the, I feel like they're in the the vein of like Black mm-hmm. Company. Did anybody read Black Company? Nope. Oh, geez. Uh, Glenn Cook, but like this is classic fantasy. It was it was really good. I feel like he's the modern classic fantasy writer. Is there magic in it? Uh, it's uh, it's like light light magic. It's in the background. I think. So light magic in the background, like a like a ring camera, like a ring light for your Zoom meeting, like a like a uh, Game of Thrones. How you know, there's magic, but it's not like the main character is a wizard. Okay. Uh, Panic Lord says this is a, this is a great question. Does the team design items of the month with a top down or bottom up approach? Do you decide on did you do you decide on mechanics that you want to include for an item and then build a unifying theme for it, or do you decide on the theme first and then build the mechanics to fit the theme? uh we sort of do yep. both yeah we do all yeah. i mean it's i think i think i would right say like there's a couple ways to come up with an item of the month one we we asked dev like hey what is like going out of standard or missing that you wish you could do and we like start with that mechanic one we like look at upcoming holidays or events and we like build it based on that theme or like the other one is kevin comes up with a terrible pun and we just run with it <laughs> yeah like the uh bastille battalion controller yeah, that one we ran very slowly and kept tripping over our dicks, but uh, <laughs> we did we did run with it. Um, Jewel eyed wizard hat. Sad oatcake says, "How often do the powers that be play through ascensions, especially for fun rather than testing things?" Uh, zero, zero <laughs> of the times. Nope. Yeah. yeah, none times. Super Marshmallow Man says, "What's your personal high score on Dungeon Superintendent, and why is Kevin so OP?" Uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't bother. I was never going to beat Kevin's score. And also Frank Lance played it really obsessively for a couple of days and he's way better at games than I am. He found a bunch of bugs in it. Uh, trolls, trolls are the dominant strategy for a high score because they have the kind of uncapped scaling based on scrap consumption. A turtle says, I stopped playing KOL in 2009. What are the major changes that happened from there to present? (laughs) 
I mean, the game is fundamentally very similar, right? Like, there's been a tremendous amount of content created, but it's it's all around the periphery, right? Like, if you you a casual person playing the game now, I don't know that they would even necessarily notice a lot of the new stuff. If you were into Ascension, you would notice. Yeah. Oh, there, there's 30 challenge paths that have like a boatload of content I can try out. Yeah. Yeah, everything's kind of out of the way. Were there were there clan dungeons at that point? I don't remember. Uh, well, yeah. That's like right around when we started doing them. Let's look it up. Thanks, Kagi. Uh, Chris has got me using Kagi instead of Google because Google. That's one thing that's changed since 2009. Google is no longer useful for searching for things on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it was first discussed in 2008. Huh. Google's really good for showing you ads of things you searched for once on every other web page you ever visit for the rest of your life. Like I looked mm -hmm. for an attic ladder and now basically every <laughs> web has attic ladders on it. So that's, that's fun. Well, it's good. You might need one for one of your many other attics. Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Joe says, what are some of the things that make a challenge path good or successful for you? I... I like it when the idea is clearly very good from the beginning and it's easy to build out the mechanics and the content based on the strength of the idea. Um, I think that kind of means everybody wins. Like it's easier and more fun to make. And also I think that the finished product turns out better. Some of the ones that I like the most are ones that people didn't play very much. Like we, there was some data that suggested that like Bugbear Invasion and KOL High School were the least played challenge paths. And those are the ones with the most stuff going on. I'm which... surprised about Bugbear Invasion. Should look at that data again sometime. Yeah, I'm curious, like, you know, of the old challenge paths, we have so many years of data now, like in the past year, how many people have played each of the old mm -hmm. challenge paths, you know? Um, hello folks, says Thrun. Uh, Thrun said, the recent loading games are both fantastic. Thanks for all your hard work, and I hope there are many more to come. Well, there there will be, I think. Which game was more challenging to make? West of Loathing laid a lot of track, but Shadow seems to be a lot more complex. Yeah, I think they were kind of similarly hard to make as a result yeah. of exactly what you said. Like, we had to figure out what a lot of things were to make West of Loathing. Um, we kind of spent a year just making Boring Springs. We took it. Yeah, we just figuring out like how to pop, like how to like what are the kinds of interaction, like all of these things that are very second nature to us now in thinking of like, oh, is this a modal or a pop up? Like, you know, what what kind of what kind of script features do we need in order to just do the basic things that we want to be able to do? And then shadows, you know, we we tend to consume improvements in our tools and spend the same amount of time making more and more elaborate content instead of like working less. Um, and so I think Shadows was able to be a lot bigger in, I also don't have a good sense. Kevin, you probably know this. How long did it take us to make West of Loathing and how long did it take us to make Shadows? I think West of Loathing took just under four years and Shadows took about three and a half. Like they're, they're both pretty similarly long. Um, but we weren't I, in like full production, everyone working on West of Loathing for four years. Yeah. 
that, that, I was gonna say it's it's tough to it's tough to say because it's um do you like, count from I don't the know. Or like conceiving of it or like the do you count from the moment when we made that like unity prototype or do you count from when like I mean the first like the first code that got set to paper was when Chris came out when I was still living in Arizona and we made the basic oh, first version of the tools yeah. yeah and and then there was another meeting that year where victor came out like we well we found victor we hired victor victor came out and made the first version of the swole engine wasn't yet called the swole engine um but i don't yeah i don't know where to start counting it it's really hard to it's it's we have a similar problem figuring out what the budget of these games is because we tend to not count the salaries of the people who are also working on KOL in the budgets because we're only, is it halftime? Are we halftime? Are we 5% of the time on KOL and 95% of the time on the new game? Like, yeah, for a lot of the time, uh, it's, it's also tough for Kevin to account, right? Cause I feel like you, you put the same amount of time into shadows as you did into West Lothian, but you did it in like a three month span for shadows. Then no, like, so like for both games, there was like a, a six month period where I basically did did nothing but period QA <laughs> the games. Yeah, like um you did very little on them prior to that, I think. Yeah. I don't remember yeah, what uh, the really killing you quite as much. Maybe we just... ended up in the hospital right after it shipped. We both did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you uh you read tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and you're like, this this game kind of reminds me of, of our <laughs> process oh yeah that's that's pretty good i read that this year that's it's on my list i heard it's that it wasn't yeah. yeah i liked it it wasn't it like didn't blow my blow, blow me away but yeah but it's like the first time i've ever i don't know i i think it's it's uh arguable whether it's like sort of you know uh literary fiction in the in the sense that people mean when they say literary fiction uh right. but it's it's one of the only times i've ever read a book that was like oh this is just a you know, it's technically literary fiction because it doesn't have any swords or wizards in it. Uh, <laughs> but it's like about things that I can sort of relate to. Like it's about people in the same sort of places that I know people from and have spent time in doing the kinds of things that I and my close friends have done. Um, yeah, that's that's a great question about which uh, which one was harder. I uh, there's because there is not an ambiguous an unambiguous answer. I think they were probably similarly hard well i think um, i was more stressed out i was more stressed out by west of loathing the, the last few months of west of loathing because we were about to run out of money and we we had to ship the game and there was just no pushing it we didn't have that with with shadows we had more time available which made it you know it made it feel slower but it wasn't slower it was faster we got more of it done in less time yeah than we did with west of loathing because we were just better at it and the tools were more, more mature so yeah, with West of Loathing, we had the like, okay, we need to finish this game or we're going to run out of money pressure. And with Shadows, we had to just decide on a release date. And when like early in 2021, we're like, okay, well, 11.11 is obviously the date we should release this game. So that's what we will work towards. Yeah, when Starfield got pushed, I was like, I think we should release on the date that Starfield was supposed to come out because I think that other major games were already avoiding that date. And it was too late for them to be like, oh, shit, no, okay, now we're going to release our, you know, we're going to release the new Assassin's Creed or whatever on that weekend now that Starfield freed it up. 
Um, I might be kidding myself that any of that had any effect on us, but it was like, I didn't, you know, having one less guaranteed game in the top 10 sellers on steam to, to try to chart against briefly to get that initial bump, which like puts you in the algorithm, right? Like it just gets you on steam's radar and gets steam showing you to more people. So it like was important to the success of both games, I think. Um, but yeah, 11, 11, 11 was, was pretty high. Uh, Sad Oatcakes writes, the 11th anniversary gifts are a fun little treat for players who stick around. We're not that far off from the point where the oldest accounts will hit their 23rd anniversary. Oh are there any God. plans for gifts when people hit funny number anniversaries? Oh, we kind of have to now that it's been pointed <laughs> out, right? Well, I guess that's the question. Do you want to keep pushing the, like, we came up with the 11 and then stopped. We're like, well, we don't want to force people to play the game for more than 11 years to get a all the stuff or whatever to get an item yeah yeah uh, toasted mildly says merch idea small brass spittoons with little flavor text plus customer name discuss yeah no <laughs> <laughs> no merch also spittoons don't look like the spittoons in didn't didn't did data vortex send you a spittoon uh yeah I just got I I just got uh, hi data vortex if you're listening I my my wife just texted me that your uh your Christmas present for our daughter arrived so Thanks again, as as every year. You are a real sweetheart. Uh, let's see. We're almost through all these questions. JXQZ says, please defend the hobo in sheep's clothing. I keep telling people that items of the year are held to a different standard, and any new player would be happy with a fairy of Ollie that they can buy all year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like everybody was pretty unanimous about it being weak, uh, and and we, we beefed it up. Yeah, it's not. You're right that I think I I certainly hold them to a different standard, and they are things that should be useful to new players if that's the only thing they'd ever bought. And it was, you know, like you got a lot of stuff that was a lot better than anything you would have gotten as a normal drop in the game. And maybe that's that it. wasn't. Maybe that wasn't true. Maybe that maybe that was the problem was that that wasn't actually true. That that said, right? You, you read the argument and said, okay, I can I can beef. This yeah, up. we can make it. Yeah, that's certainly better now. But, you know, the things that were being compared to were not exactly fair comparisons either. Like, the, the like this is the, how much better the dumpster fire drops were. Like, yeah, but those dissolved after a day. So they mm. weren't going weren't gonna to pile up. Uh, uh, JXQZ also wrote, I guess I'm a casual patient gamer. I love where the water tastes like wine so much, but I know uh, enough that I can't recommend it to average gamers. I also don't mind subtitles on top of narration, so don't assume your universality. Did any of you finish it? I don't think I finished it. Um, yeah, I, I played for a couple hours, but I don't. I didn't get to an ending. I like the writing. Uh, the presentation of the writing, I felt, was like the the shoehorning the what kind of story is this and what kind of story do these people want felt very frustrating to me because it's like, no, I like I can tell you for a fact this was a scary story because I was I was quaking in my boots while I read it, but it doesn't count as a scary story when I try to share it with this person, and it's like. Now you got to wait like through seven minutes of watching a skeleton walk before you can try it on somebody else's just like didn't didn't hold together for me. I also think that uh, for that game. And I would make this argument for almost any game that has ever been made. Every dollar that was spent on VO should have been spent on anything else and it would have resulted in a better game. There are a handful of games that I like Firewatch. I don't think that's true of. 
maybe what remains of Edith Finch. I'm trying to think of any games that I've been like, oh yeah, the VO was important to this. Anyway, they just shouldn't have paid Sting to say like eight <laughs> things. <clears throat> Uh, Portal or Portal 2, I think the VO. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's great. I mean, you know, at this point, we're just listing like the best written games that had the most money spent on them. <laughs> True. Let's see. Shiver Warp says, have all the different games you've made, KOL, Word Realms, West of Loathing, Shadows Over Loathing, et cetera, changed how you've approached game design? Anything in particular you learned from each one? Well, from Word Realms, I learned th that we need the tools to be easier to use than the word realms tools were um you know from from kol i think i the biggest lesson is people are going to play the game the way they play the game not you can and you can you can influence it with the way that you design the game but you can't uh you can't make people care about something um what i learned from west of loathing is that uh riff riff is real funny i already knew that though <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I, I learned that it's possible to use our art style in a more modern piece of software, which is was that that was not a foregone conclusion. Um from I don't know, I don't know if I learned anything from shadows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanted to try making something with a longer main quest. I think I won't do that again. I think I would probably go back. No, in fact, I know that for the next one, I'm going back to a more open-ended West of Loathing style main quest. I learned, I learned that it's harder to be funny when everybody in the world is fucked up on COVID. Hmm. <laughs> but, but also just, yeah, it's like the sh uh, shadows, shadows got uh, not the word isn't flack, but a lot of people commented on the fact that Shadows was less funny than West. And it's just, I don't know, the combination of... Like, people say that horror and comedy go together a lot, but it's more difficult to be funny if you're also doing horror. So... I yeah, think, it, it being yeah. entirely horror, it being a bleaker point in just history yeah, that yeah. it was based on was also, you know, it, it like things being more like the real world, which sucked ass at the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? yeah. Uh, and but both like the real world kind of sucked ass while we were making it because of COVID and and it was not a great time for most people uh, when the game was set. So it, it's just a. Uh... But. I think it was you know, a different kind of comedy. Like, I think it was yeah. still pretty funny. I, I, do, I don't think it's less funny. Uh, yeah. I understand why people think that. It's less It's less goofy. Yeah. It's, gag, it's, it's right? drier. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm going to try and... If, 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 if assuming moist as the opposite of dry, I'm going to try and make my writing a little moister in the next game. Uh, a series of question marks says, which goofy movie were you guys binging when you decided uh, Candy Cane, Sword Cane? Also, I realized that uh, I don't know if it's binging or binging. Maybe we were using Microsoft Bing to look up whether a Candy Cane, Sword Cane had ever appeared in a movie. And I thought maybe based on this question that that was a thing that happened in the, a goofy movie. 
but yeah, I, nothing, <laughs> I was gonna say. But nothing, nothing comes up. I, I don't. Does it was, uh, does Will what, Ferrell murder somebody with a sword cane and elf? <laughs> and that was that was. I feel like from my point of view, that was a Kevin comes up with it. I mean, it's not it's not really a pun. It's a we what 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 did we we looked up? What is that called? Like that. Oh uh, yeah, I tried to get I tried to I tried to get Chat GPT to explain to tell me if there was a word for that kind of thing because I feel like that I feel like Chat GPT has become the only way to get answers to a lot of stuff that Google used to understand natural language questions. Um like is there a word for that thing when you whatever or what's the book where that guy kind of did that thing? Um it's more likely to I'm more likely to get answers from Chat GPT than I am from from Google. But uh, no, I mean, because it was we spent a lot of time talking about the candy corn maze, right? And then yeah. moved from there to candy cane, sword cane. I think because somebody accidentally said candy cane maze, and then we moved on. But, um, you know, I think that's that's about it for questions. Uh, thanks for doing a podcast with me, fellas. Sure. You got, you got anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to recommend before we? Our hot, our hot tips. Don't buy a house. <sighs> <laughs> Don't, uh, man. Remember how the remember how the third act of uh, West of Loathing is about uh, how you've built ninety nine point nine percent of a railroad, but uh, you have to spend a tremendous amount of time getting a permit issued by the city of San Francisco <laughs> to run the last twenty feet of the railroad track. <laughs> that it turned out to be eerily prescient. Right? Uh, every single delay in this structural renovation has been because of a permit taking weeks to get issued. And none of it is because of, I don't know, the contractor being drunk or the kinds of things that you would normally expect. The fun, the fun kind of delays. Yeah. It's all just been boring human delays uh, they do keep arresting most of the people who work at the permitting department for corruption and i and i keep wondering you know i think if i was corrupt and i uh, was getting a lot of bribes from my job i would focus on trying to not be terrible at my job to the <laughs> point where everyone gets mad at me and is constantly launching investigations into why things take so long right if i would just I be like if I was corrupt and I worked at the permit office, I would simply issue myself a permit for corruption. Oh, that's. I would, you know, if the problem is that we needed a line item in the budget for bribes, I would have been fine with that. They just got to tell you. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to see how long. Uh, so our test recording to see if this worked at all is still not done processing on Zoom's side. So they uh, uh -oh. never hear this. Maybe I will publish this in three years. Uh, and uh, if, you're, if you're listening, I hope you enjoyed it. And I uh, hope you have a, I hope this comes out before Christmas and that you have a Merry Christmas. Yay. Yeah. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy Christmas. Happy Crimbo.